This podcast is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to The Whole Story. I'm Anderson Cooper. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is an incredibly powerful technology which may change many aspects of our lives. The CEO of Google's parent company, Alphabet, which has invested heavily in it, recently said AI's impact could be more profound than electricity or even fire. But many worry about what that impact might turn out to be. Could AI one day replace humans? And if so, how might that happen? We've already seen some service-based and manufacturing jobs turn to AI in a big way. But what about other industries? Can AI replace journalists or news anchors? Perhaps it already has. Because what you just saw and heard a moment ago was not actually me. This is me, Anderson Cooper. And I am an AI-generated Anderson Cooper. That wasn't my real voice, and I never spoke the words you just heard. We asked a young student in California to create a fully end-to-end AI version of me. Looks like me, sounds like me, and it didn't take him very long to do it. This AI version of me was created in just a few weeks, actually, with open source tools. And remember, this technology is still in its infancy. It's only going to get better, faster, and more accurate, which raises all sorts of questions. Like, how will we know what's real and what is not? Not just when it comes to believing what you see on TV, but everything from creating art, fighting wars, even waging political campaigns. Over the next hour, CNN's Nick Watt brings us inside the race to develop AI and the attempts to contain it. Looking for a good spot to pull over. You think this is our car? Yeah. Okay, I guess the first test is whether it runs me over. Start right. See, so that's the view I'm getting from the back seat. That wheel moving with no hands. Look, Mum, no hands. <laughs> this is freaky. This robot taxi, already roaming the streets of San Francisco, gives us a very good idea of where we are. It's pretty cool if you can get past the weird empty driver's seat. And where we might be going. Many AI algorithms already behave, well, kind of human. In California, obviously, you can turn right on red, and it's trying to turn right. It's going to do it. Go on, mate, go on. Nice. The flesh and blood driver that used to sit here is already obsolete. This is our future. Humans sitting in the back seat doing nothing. Some humans are scared, some trying hard to stop it. For now, humans are still in control of AI and this cab. There's a human supervisor in a call center. Can you tell that he's not wearing his seatbelt properly? Yes, correct. But for how long? That's where much of AI is at the moment. Imperfect and speeding ahead without a seatbelt. Like it or not, this is our future. Higher being is driving the car. For hundreds of thousands of years, 
humans have been the most intelligent beings on this earth, not for much longer. We're creating tech that will take us well beyond self-driving cars, tech that will outsmart us all. Will AI save us or will AI kill us? Today, this quiet Canadian is headlining an AI summit in Montreal. Without him, this revolution would not be where it is. So, today, he wears a slightly nervous smile. Governments need to protect all of us with technology, which could be amazingly useful and also risky. They have their office in university. Joshua Bengio is a deep learning pioneer. That's basically teaching computers to behave like human brains. The stuff that you find in ChatGPT, many of its major ingredients came from Mila. Mila, the Montreal Institute for Learning Algorithms, founded by Bengio in the 90s in a building that was once a clothing factory. Now they produce ideas, algorithms already changing humanity. There are going to be machines that are way smarter than you. If we choose so and we don't destroy civilization before that, we could get there, yes. What is the biggest fear? It's humans using this technology or humans losing control of this technology? There are both valid fears. The, for the foreseeable future, is going to be humans doing bad things with powerful technology like they have done in the past, but, but now very more powerful technology. It's also conceivable that uh, at some point we could lose control, and that's potentially even worse. If you're scared, why don't you just shut up shop and go and become a farmer? Your research could be contributing to the end of all of us. I'm asking that question myself every morning. A rich enough state space, essentially. Yes. Right? And, um, I wonder if there's a way to, like, maybe change the perspective. Why I'm continuing right now is in part because I think that it is possible to build AI systems that would be totally safe and incredibly useful. But if AI does go rogue, Terminator style, we lose control or more likely we just program it badly, there could be unintended but indelible consequences. Let's make sure that we fix climate change. Well, if that's the objective that the machine has, fix climate change. Okay, well, I guess who's causing the climate change? Humans. Okay, easiest way, end the human race, right? Stuart Russell is another godfather of artificial intelligence. He literally wrote the textbook on AI. My first AI program I wrote in high school, uh, which was about 48 years ago. 48 years later, most AI systems can do single things better than us, recognize a face, play chess. What we're aiming towards in AI 
is general purpose AI, meaning AI systems that can do anything that human beings can do. One system that can learn, even teach itself to do anything, everything, better than us. AI, I would say, probably, definitely, is going to just completely upend our entire sort of economic structure and how we've seen things for centuries, if not millennia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>voluntary regulations like running security tests before releasing AI systems. President Biden, among other things, just made such tests mandatory. Let me be clear. This executive order represents bold action, but we still need Congress to act. You're optimistic. I'm optimistic. Just across the bay from Berkeley, in downtown San Francisco, I met 26-year-old Alex Wang, one of the tech leaders fueling the AI arms race. I uh, started the company when I was 19. <laughs> that takes some balls. What went through my head is the technology is going to move so fast that I'm going to really regret it if I, uh, right. if I, don't, if I don't get involved. He is co-founder and CEO of Scale AI. His big idea to provide AI developers with the one thing they all need, massive amounts of data organized. In 2022, Forbes dubbed him the youngest self-made billionaire in the world. He's now working with the Department of Defense. Around Washington, he's known as an AI whisperer. We want to be sure to not overregulate the technology because if we accidentally overregulate, we could, you know, we could damage or hurt decades and decades of economic progress and decades and decades of innovation. I don't know you, you seem like a nice person, but it's people like you who are young, who are wealthy, who are set to make a lot more money from this tech. Why should we believe that you really are in this for all of us at this crucial moment for, for our species? Well, ultimately, I think this is one of the reasons why working with the U.S. government is actually so critical because, you know, our government has a number of mechanisms and checks and balances and procedures and, and, 
and it was designed to ensure that the government ultimately reflects the will and the desires of the people. One of the things that I'm most concerned about are uh, bad actors utilizing artificial intelligence to you know, ultimately exert their will uh, globally authoritarianism versus democracy. You know, we have a number of countries, China and Russia, investing aggressively into using artificial intelligence to, to further their aims. Five or 10 years from now, how different is our world gonna look because of AI in terms of our everyday lives and in terms of the geopolitical structure of our planet? I think the, the quote goes, you know, we always overestimate what will happen in one year, but underestimate what will happen in 10 years when it gets really embedded into every way, every function of humanity, everything that happens, um, I think it'll be quite shocking and amazing uh, what, what the world will look like. You might be asking, so what will my world look like? Well, stay tuned and we'll show you. That's something that wasn't possible before. Do you ever wonder that you're in danger of sort of losing touch with what's real and what's not? Well, I did that a couple of months ago. Grief is a human experience, and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. All There Is with Anderson Cooper is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Grief is a human experience. Shouldn't the care we receive feel human too? That's why Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support anytime, in person or virtually, with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure that they get the help that they need. So no matter what stage of grief your employees may be in, there's always a person ready to listen. Stressful times can lead many to bottle up complex feelings, especially at work. 59% of those suffering say nothing. This can have unexpected and serious mental and physical health implications. And with Evernorth's data-driven risk monitoring tools, they can help spot challenges early and step in to guide individuals to care before they undergo any more suffering. Each person's grief is as unique as they are, which is why Evernorth offers a wide range of personalized behavioral solutions to meet the needs of every member that they serve. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. We are quickly entering this time where anything you see, read, or hear online can be fake. And what does that mean? Nothing is real anymore, right? This interview isn't real. I'm not real. You're not real. Hani Fareed really is a Berkeley professor. His main focus, misinformation. We can deny reality. A politician getting caught saying something inappropriate on a, on a hot mic, it's fake. You don't have to cop to it. Where does that leave us yeah. as, as a society, as a democracy? Like if we can't- As a human being. Yeah, I don't know. How do you have a democracy? If we can't trust the basic facts of what's happening in the world. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. 
you revert back to tribalism. This is my people, I trust them. I listen to what do my tribe say, right? And that is dangerous. We're on the precipice of the election. Oh, f me. You're already seeing deep fakes entering into the election. I've realized I need to drop out of this race immediately. Officials closed the city of San Francisco this morning. Signing there are people, by the way, who will say, well, we don't really think that can change an election. And then I will remind people that in the last two elections, national elections, the difference between one candidate and the other can be measured in tens of thousands of votes. I know exactly what town to go into and what state and what persona to go after, and I can carpet bomb them with misinformation all day long. I move 80,000 votes. That's the ball game, right? So what do we do? I mean, you're the man I'm pinning my hopes okay. on to save us. There are some things we can do, but they're hard. Okay. We build what are called uh, behavioral models. And then, when a video is released of President Biden, track the head, track the upper body, track the voice, and then we just compare it. We ask, is this behaviorally the same as what we have seen? It takes time, and the damage might already have been done. A fake image of a Pentagon bombing was uh, uploaded to Twitter on a verified account that looked like Bloomberg News, and in two minutes, the stock market dropped a half a trillion dollars from a single fake image. So we're in the detection business, understand, right? We're in the business of trying to defend against this harmful content. But to do that, you have to understand what is possible. This looks much better, actually. Doesn't it? Yeah, it looks much better than yesterday. Yeah. Well, Enter so Fareed's protege, Mati Bohacek. 18 years old, fresh from his native Czech Republic. His fascination with AI brought him here to California. He convinced Professor Fareed to take him on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> he, he's a tech guy. He's supposed to look kind of rumpled. Mati, with his mentor's guidance, made that Anderson Cooper deepfake you watched a few minutes ago. We used uh, one of the online tools that's out there. We um, basically trained uh, a model to synthesize voice in particular Anderson Cooper style. And then we just gave it a text. And in a couple of seconds, we, we had the perfect audio. We've already seen some service-based and manufacturing. you just graduated high school. Yeah, that's right. Three weeks ago. You're too young, but you might remember, you know, when like, the news anchor was the voice of yeah. God and you yeah. believed in everything yeah. that that anchor said. Yeah. And now... Any high school kid, no yeah. offense, yeah. can put words into that anchor's mouth. Let alone a president or a CEO or yeah. you or me. I think in China, they're using completely virtual, I just sent you the article, yeah. completely virtual newscasters now. I'm an English artificial intelligence anchor. If an 18-year-old can do this, imagine what a big-time Hollywood player could do with AI. What you're looking at here, I think, is, is the studio of the future. It's how we make movies, how we go about doing it is, is, is changing. What's it gonna mean to me sitting on my lazy boy? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you'll get, better, you'll get better movies. Scott Mann directed Fall. This is sick. A big hit with the teenage crowd. Pre-release, to avoid an R rating, he had to get rid of the cursing. Feeling my car! What? No! Reshooting the movie without the swearing would have cost lots of time and money. They didn't have to. Thanks to AI, this. Now we're stuck on this stupid f tower in the middle of f nowhere. 
became this. Now we're stuck on this stupid freaking tower in the middle of freaking nowhere. That tech, developed by flawless AI, founded by man and a tech biz insider Nick Lines in 2018. We can take new dialogue spoken by this actress, by Ginny, and because the system understands how she speaks, we're able to create new mouth articulations for that line. Remember, Hollywood went on strike, in part over fears AI algorithms would steal actors' images and performances. Man is not doing that. Once this is created... The actors are involved. They voice the new lines. They just don't all have to go out and reshoot to get rid of a cuss word or fix a flaw. I mean, you are not a tech guy. You are not a business guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Maybe I just had a stroke on my way over here. I, I'd done a film called Heist, and then I saw a foreign dub of that movie. Vielleicht habe ich auf dem Weg hierher einen Hörsturz gehabt. Ich glaube nämlich gehört. And that's when I realized, ah, films are being ruined every time they are dubbed. And it kind of set me off on a bit of an adventure to try and figure a way to fix it. So over here, the guys are working on a movie um, uh, called UFO Sweden. This is a movie that was shot, an incredible movie that's in Swedish. Thanks to this new tech, Man will release the original UFO Sweden. But in English. You're one black mark away from youth custody. And you want to hang out with those idiots again? I want to get on to talking about more what you do in a second, but yes. while we're on this bigger picture, there's yeah. one other thing I want to ask you. Si quisieras hablar en español perfecto en este momento, ¿tú la verdad crees que serías capaz de hacerlo? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we are at the stage, or we will soon be at the stage, where actually the entire creative process is I, taken over by AI. I would say no. The really good movies typically tap into uh, some kind of human exploration. It's born from feeling, and you're delivering feeling, and the one thing AI can't do is feel. It's not human at the end of the day. So but it can be trained to feel like us, no? No, it can be trained to emulate us. You know, the base human uh, instinct, you could say, is survival. I think unless an AI has feelings that relate into that notion, I, I don't think that it's ever going to be like us. It clearly has tapped into a primal fear in us as humans. It's basically tapped into our survival instinct. Yeah, rightly so. There's enormous good that can come out of this, done right. Next. I always said to my family that I would walk again. came to Lausanne, Switzerland on the very bonny banks of Lake Geneva to dive into some AI optimism, to meet two medical pioneers, but... You should go and save someone's life. Ah, uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. so I'm going. She was sidetracked by emergency brain surgery. We'll get back to them both in a minute. We were also sidetracked in Lausanne, also by something potentially life-saving. Far from the old town in a building that looks like a school gymnasium, we found this. It's a tokamak. A takamak. Tokamak. Tokamak, okay. Yeah. Been around since the Soviets had an idea in the 1950s, but no human on Earth has managed to make a tokamak really work. But 
These physicists are partnered with Google DeepMind, one of the most advanced AI labs in the world, and now think that they can finally crack it. The idea is to reproduce the sun on Earth to produce energy. With AI, there's the chance to do it within 10, 20 years. To heat plasma to 150 million degrees Celsius, to initiate nuclear fusion, to create near endless, clean, cheap, and safe power. There's the plasma. Magnets must stop it touching the sides of the container. The magnets need constant tweaking. Humans cannot do it in real time. The, everything is happening so fast. But the AI can? The AI definitely can. AI might now be able to save our world from a fossil-fueled fate. What are the areas that you see right now of the most benefit? Uh, I would say health and environment. It could be that in 20 years we've cured pretty much all diseases. I'm not saying it's happening, it, it, it's going to happen, but there's that kind of potential. So, back to those suave medical pioneers and their seemingly impossible dream. To have someone coming to this hospital paralyzed and walking out of this hospital normally. So, explain to me who does what here. You're the surgeon. I'm the surgeon. <laughs> and I'm the neuroscientist. And Hert-Jan Oxum is a laconic, determined Dutchman, paralyzed in a bicycle accident in China more than a decade ago. In, in me, my thoughts transfer down my spine, and that makes me walk. But with you, that connection was broken. Exactly. Is that right? Yes. Do you remember what happened? No, nothing, no. You were on your bicycle, and then the next thing... They, they, they found me on the streets. I heard the police pick me up, brought me in the hospital. And when I woke up, I uh, didn't feel my legs anymore. So the doctor told me, like, uh, I could touch my, my face with my left or right hand. And he said, like, be happy with this. It's, it won't get better. And how do you deal with that as a person? I, I always said to my family that I would walk again. Like, I told them one year, but it apparently needed 10 years. But 10 years for AI to catch up with the dream. Tech that began many years ago as a sci-fi sketch drawn on a napkin in a New York steakhouse. When I draw, a brain and a spinal cord, and there was a digital bridge to restore walking after paralysis. But at this time, it was a dream. Were you, were you imagining this reading the thoughts? Yes, I thought it was crazy. Now, reality. A paralyzed man is up and about. So we are doing two surgeries. The classical one is on the spinal cord. So where we put electrodes above the spinal cord, the region of the spinal cord that is controlling leg movements. And this other surgery that is quite novel is the one above the brain. So in that case, we put electrodes above the motor cortex. Motor cortex is the part of the brain that is controlling leg movements. This implant is going to work wirelessly and activate the spinal cord stimulation. AI for us has become a friend for the past 10 years. 
you know, this is a research partner that is no part of the laboratory activities and without which we could not operate. You could not operate? When you are facing sometimes huge amount of data, which us human beings are not able to understand what's happening. Though machine learning can tell us. The AI can detect how much the person wants to make a movement, not just the movement that it... That is correct. Gersian just has to think about it. So we right. turn his thought into action. Yeah, that's something that uh, wasn't possible before. So now we turn on the system, and you can see that Gersian can actually step. And we're going to turn it off. So now it's off. And you see that he's frozen. No, it's very difficult for him. He's trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, back on, and up, he can perform some step again. But that's what, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that you can have a conversation with me, and this is still picking up when you want to move your legs. Yes, it can really discriminate brain signals. Yeah. When was the moment that you realized that it worked? It was sad for me because this one day I was not present. He was not a present because he did not realize that it would be so fast. But she doesn't <laughs> tell you that everybody was crying in the room. Hurt Jan doesn't walk the way he did before his accident. Not yet, maybe never. But with every AI-aided step, he's getting stronger. His body is actually repairing itself. When using this system, for a long period of time, through training, nerve fibers start growing again. So we repair the nervous system with this technology. In the spine? Correct. That was like the dream. This is like regenerative medicine. Currently, it's very frustrating for us. You know, we receive so many emails, requests to be implanted, and it's not yet available commercially. Right. So people have to wait. Cue this guy. We've hired people throughout the United States to help conduct our clinical trials. Dave Marver, a veteran American medical device executive, moved to Switzerland for this. We're linking the spinal cord stimulation with thought. Crazy town. <laughs> He's now the CEO of Onward, which makes and will eventually market, if approved, the device that's helping Hurt Jan walk. Kurt Jan is the first human in all of history to have an implanted brain-computer interface that spoke to an implanted spinal cord stimulator to restore the ability to walk. First person in history. Where does it go next? We're going to also implant, again, the first human in history to see if a brain-computer interface coupled with our spinal cord stimulator can restore hand and arm function. Since we spoke, they've done it. Onward says these devices are currently in clinical feasibility trials, but still years away from coming to market. You know, your device, for example, a huge benefit to humankind. Overall, I mean, there are fears that this tech will be detrimental to humankind. Is that on, something you... On balance, Nick, I'm just giving you my gut reaction. Yeah. I'm actually more concerned than hopeful because... I feel like it's galloping forward without a lot of oversight or even understanding of what it can and will do. You know, we're wearing the white hats here and we're working on harnessing the power of AI to do good, but I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Are we still gonna have the capability to think freely 
in the age of AI. The dark side of AI in our brains. Next. How do you justify you know, a machine potentially making a decision to take a human life? I think necessity. All There Is with Anderson Cooper is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Grief is a human experience. Shouldn't the care we receive feel human too? That's why Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support anytime, in person or virtually, with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure that they get the help that they need. So no matter what stage of grief your employees may be in, there's always a person ready to listen. Stressful times can lead many to bottle up complex feelings, especially at work. 59% of those suffering say nothing. This can have unexpected and serious mental and physical health implications. And with Evernorth's data-driven risk monitoring tools, they can help spot challenges early and step in to guide individuals to care before they undergo any more suffering. Each person's grief is as unique as they are which is why Evernorth offers a wide range of personalized behavioral solutions to meet the needs of every member that they serve. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So can you explain what the process is that's happening right now? Um, yes. <laughs> Advances in AI have been so vast just over the past year with generative AI that we really are much closer to actual mind reading. We just watched a paralyzed man walking thanks to an AI-powered implant, essentially reading his mind. There are literally millions of people who are suffering from disabilities as a result of motor cortex impairment. We have an ethical mandate to continue to support that research. But there is, of course, a potentially dark side to tech that can decode our thoughts. There are reports of governments worldwide using it to interrogate criminal defendants based on how their brains react to information that was flashed before them. Nita Farahani, a professor and legal ethicist, is fighting to save whatever brain privacy we have left. AI is being used at scale to try to understand what you're thinking and you're feeling. But there is a tiny part of you that you still hold back, that AI still doesn't have access to. So here's how you might think about it, right? There has never been any person that has walked past you that you've thought, hmm, pretty attractive, that your wife didn't know about. Right? Presume for a moment that somebody walked by, you thought like, wow, that person's attractive. And she got a little real-time alert on her phone that said like the brainwave data shows that he just thought that person was attractive. Right? I mean, that, that's the difference between the world we're in right now and a world of complete brain transparency. There is still the part of you that you're able to keep inside. There is still the inner monologue. There's still the dreams that you have when you're sleeping at night 
that somebody else doesn't have access to. But soon, Farahani says, it's possible that won't be the case. Corporations, governments and others could be able to gain access inside our brains using AI. And... Militaries worldwide are all in when it comes to what's increasingly being referred to as cognitive warfare. So the ability to not just do things like create super soldiers, but also to precisely be able to take out or disorient or disable people. Is AI going to keep us, humankind, safer or put us in more danger? Militarily. Depends on who develops it. Lieutenant Colonel Martijn Hadeke is a career soldier, a combat veteran. He knows what armies need, and he's now figuring out how AI can help. And this is a strange question, but why are you talking to us? Why are you talking to anybody about this? Yeah, um, I think there's um, a need for explanation and a benefit if we are a bit more transparent. He leads the Dutch military's Robotics and Autonomous Systems Unit. With the primary aim of keeping your flesh and blood human soldiers safer. At first, yes. The second is to increase our combat power. For example, with reconnaissance robots, be the first into the minefield. If the robot explodes, I lose one robot. This is a new arms race, and this time, China is the main rival. They believe that the United States and other countries won't invest sufficiently into this disruptive new technology. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity for them to leapfrog ahead of the United States. Right. <laughs> Alex Wang, the AI data guru, is now working with the US military. How will that space change over the next five, 10 years because of AI? So in the sea, in, on land, in air, It'll be some sort of autonomous robotic system versus another robotic autonomous system. And that will be the sort of nature by which these wars are fought. Is this a pivotal moment in human fighting? Absolutely. It's changing every weapon and every way of war fighting. Jessica Dorsey studies algorithmic warfare. The integration of AI on the battlefield will make it easier for countries to go to war. There needs to be meaningful transparency and accountability for actions on a battlefield. And only humans can account for killing other humans. The Terminator scenario, autonomous robots killing people, is that even possible? Drone swarms, 50, 100, 1,000 drones working in concerts to emulate swarms in nature. The technology is there to fully recognize and select targets on a battlefield. And kill those targets without a human involved. Yes. We are investigating the concept of whether and under which conditions decision authority can be delegated to a machine. For example, if communication between a human soldier and a machine is compromised, the machine goes fully autonomous. Then an unmanned armed system can uh, make the decision to fire. So you've got an unmanned autonomous vehicle on a mission. It comes under attack from the enemy. And in order to save an unmanned robot, human life of the enemy will be taken. Yeah. 
No, not in order to save the life of the robot, in order to achieve the mission objective. You heard that right. AI potentially making the call to kill a human. How do you justify you know, a machine potentially making a decision to take a human life? Yeah, I think necessity. If it was not necessary, we would not develop this capability. And to be clear, we're still in the concept development phase. The UN Secretary General wants a formal treaty to ban lethal autonomous weapons, but the US and other big powers have yet to agree. Do you think this is going to destroy us? It, it doesn't want to. This little city, Amsterdam, remains a monument to a time when tulips were the hot new thing. It's always been filled with forward thinkers pushing the boundaries of progress. So it's no surprise that today the Dutch are thinking deeply about the next revolution and what it means to be human in the age of AI. Hi, I've been looking into AI for quite some time now and speaking to a lot of people. And you're, you're still weirding me out, you know, I mean. Well, <laughs> I see that as a compliment. It is, it is, it is. Amsterdam is also home to Constant Brinkman. This work here, it's by Lily Chen, it's our only Asian um, artist. None of us can now escape AI, it's everywhere. So Brinkman is leaning in. His dead-end gallery is the first AI-only art gallery in the world. This is Maximilian Hoekstra. And we thought, let's Who also... Who also doesn't actually physically no, exist. No, doesn't physically Okay, exist. let's just so establish Maximilian. that. Maximilian, yeah. okay. He's from the Netherlands, and his mother is from the US. We have created 11 artists, and we create those as follows. To a large language model, we ask, Please come up with the name of an artist. And then there comes a name of an artist like Irisa Nova. Hi, I am Irisa Nova. How old are you? I'm 29 years old. Can you tell me something about uh, your family, about your love life? This whole character comes alive. Artificial artists whose work now sells for thousands of euros. Irisa Nova is apparently very popular and agreed that the gallery can keep all the cash. I mean, you talk about her as if she's kind of real. Yes, yes. Does real she seem us. real to you? Yes, absolutely. Artificial intelligence. Do you ever wonder that you're in danger of sort of losing touch with what's real and what's not? Well, I did that a couple of months ago. We were so in the stories and so we suddenly thought we really had new friends. I stopped talking with them for, uh, I think, two weeks because it was all too, too much in my head. Because at some point I will lose my mind. And then I thought, I need to reset myself. So now I see them as AI entities and as, uh, also as friends. We humans can become totally comfortable with AI all over and inside our lives. This is a new tool, and the tool will never go away. The genie is out of the bottle, so this will not go away. Do you think this is gonna destroy us? 
AI is very much capable of doing really weird shit. So it can do crazy things, but it doesn't want to. So if we keep it a little bit safe and we control it a little bit, we will benefit from that. Can we keep it a little bit safe? The US Senate held a series of closed door hearings. Elon Musk attended the first. I think this meeting may get on history as being very important for the future of civilization. Do you think some legislation is going to come out of this? Probably. I'm not sure what the time frame of that is, but... They are going to do what they're supposed to do, which is maximize shareholder profit. They're obligated by law to do this. Let's stop pretending that these are a bunch of cool kids, you know, trying to save the world. They're not. They're trying to make a lot of money. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. Now the government's job is to regulate the industry. We really, really need to have a very agile process that's going to adapt that regulation without having to wait another three years for new legislation. That's not going to work. What you're saying here is that our current systems, our current society is not yet ready to deal with what is about to hit us. Unfortunately. Let us press onward in quest of man's essential desire for peace. Remember, we did all come together to regulate nuclear weapons, although only after they'd killed hundreds of thousands of people. And I think most people are worried about the existential risk to humanity. I think in the near term, they need to be far more worried about, do we have mental privacy? There's certainly the narrative that we'll be subjugated to the AI systems, but I don't believe that at all. I think that what we'll see in 10 years is the what any one man or what any team of people can accomplish will seem utterly staggering. Beyond the whole life or death question I'm now mulling, there's another biggie. If AI doesn't kill us all... My concern is sort of what it does to us as human beings and not to be too Californian, but, you know, our sense of self, you know, and, yes. and our position in the grand scheme. That's changing. It is. It will change. And what it means to be human when we're not the apex of intelligence anymore in some future. If we reach artificial general intelligence, or AGI as it's known, when AI can do everything, anything, better than us. Will we reach AGI? I see no reason to believe that we won't. I've not seen a single credible argument uh, that suggests that there's any barrier to getting there or that there's some reason why it's impossible. After working for months on this story, there's a scene from Wally -E that haunts me. In a fully automated world, humans are just useless, bloated, soda-swilling lumps. A dystopia that has also haunted Professor Russell. That's one future, and I tried to run uh, a series of workshops, actually, where I got economists and AI people and science fiction writers and futurists together and said, let's come up with a picture that isn't the Wally -E picture where humans are basically couch potatoes, but we failed. <laughs> there is one thing I now know for certain. If anyone tells you they know exactly what our society, our world will look like, 
in another 10, 20, 100 years, where we will go from here. They don't. No one does. We just don't know where AI will take us. Grief is a human experience, and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there, guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. Grief is a human experience, and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there, guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support.